Still following that ramification of this policy, should she bribe Georgie over to her own revolutionary camp, by promising him instruction from the Guru? Or, following a less dashing line, should she take darling Lucia and Georgie into the charmed circle, and, while retaining her own right of treasure trove, yet share it with them in some inner ring, dispensing the Guru to them, if they were good, in small doses? Mrs. Quantock's mind resembled in its working the manoeuvres of a moth distracted by the glory of several bright lights. It dashed at one, got slightly singed, and forgetting all about that, turned its attention to the second and the third, taking headers into each in turn, without deciding which, on the whole, was the most enchanting of those luminaries. So, in order to curb the exuberance of these frenzied excursions, she got a half-sheet of paper and noted down the alternatives that she must choose from. 1. Shall I keep him entirely to myself? 2. Shall I run him for all he is worth and leave out L? 3. Shall I get G on my side? 4. Shall I give L and G bits? She paused a moment, then, remembering that he had voluntarily helped her very pretty housemaid to make the beds that morning, saying that his business, like the Prince of Wales, was to serve, she added, 5. Shall I ask him to be my cook? For a few seconds the brightness of her eager interest was dimmed as the unworthy suspicion occurred to her that perhaps the prettiness of her housemaid had something to do with his usefulness in the bedrooms but she instantly dismissed it. There was the bottle of brandy, too, which he had ordered from Rush's. When she had begged him to order anything he wanted, and cause it to be put down to her account, she had not actually contemplated brandy. Then, remembering that one of the most necessary conditions for progress in yoga was that the disciple should have complete confidence in the guru, she chased that also out of her mind. But still, even when the lines of all possible policies were written down, she could come to no decision, and, putting her paper by her bed, decided to sleep over it. The rhythmical sounds of hallowed breathing came steadily from next door, and she murmured, Om, Om, in time with them. The hours of the morning between breakfast and lunch were the time which the inhabitants of Rhizome chiefly devoted to spying on each other. They went about from shop to shop on household businesses, occasionally making purchases which they carried away with them in little paper parcels with convenient loops of string, but the real object of these excursions was to see what everybody else was doing, and learn what fresh interests had sprung up like mushrooms during the night. 